introducing Rabbi uh, Hoffman from uh, New Rochelle, New York, speaking to us at the Farding Scrollo instead of Thursday night on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. A pre Shavuot Shir, the Yom Tov with many names. Something like okay. that. Rabbi Hoffman. Thank you, Bruce. So the, the topic is Shavuot, the holiday of many names. If we look in the Torah, we'll find three names. So we find Chag Shavuot Ta'aselecha B'Korei Ketzir Chitim. The first name which appears in Exodus chapter 34 is Chag Shavuot, the, ha- the Feast of Weeks. Then we also find in Devar chapter 16, V'Yasita Chag Shavuot L'Hashem Elokecha. So both in Shemot and Devarim, Shavuot, Feast of Weeks. In Shemot 23, Pashat Mishpatim, we find the holiday of the harvest, of the reaping of the grain. Which grain? The wheat, as opposed to the barley. And Bamidbar, in Parshat Pinchas, we have Yom Abikurim, on the day of your first fruits, on the day when you bring the new offering to God. On your Shavuot. So it's clear from the text that these are the same day. It's the same day we're talking about. The Shavuot Echem is the Yom Bikurim. And it's is also this, the Chag Is the Shavuot or the many holidays or many names? Okay, so uh, if we look in the Torah, Chag HaSukot uh, is referred to as Sukkot and as the Chag HaAsif. Um, it's re- also seen as a time of rejoicing, but it's not given the name of, of Bisman Simchatenu, that's a rabbinic uh, terminology. Pesach is always Chag HaMatzot, um, and Pesach, the name Pesach, refers to the Paschal Lamb on the 14th of Nisan. Uh, it mentions Bechodesh Aviv, but that doesn't call it Chag HaAviv. When it comes to Rosh Hashanah, the name is Yom Teruah, and that's the only name. And there's a Zichron Trua elsewhere, but it's the only Yom Trua, not Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippurim is Yom Kippurim, and it's referred to as a Shabbat Shabbaton, although that's not really the name of the holiday. So that's what we're dealing with in terms of names of Chagim. But these three biblical terms, of them, two do not really survive into rabbinic literature. The rabbinic literature never uses the term Chag HaKatsir and basically never uses the term Yom HaBikurim. It refers to Shavuot sometimes as Shavuot, but more often than not, in fact almost always, in rabbinic literature, the name of the holiday is Atzeret. Atzeret. How do we understand the word Atzeret? Why did that name come about? We'll have to examine it soon enough. But there are maybe, two maybe other names. Maybe post Horbin, the other names are not relevant anymore. That's that may be the answer. That may be the answer. It's part of the answer. So in Second Temple times, we find other names that emerge. So one of them is Yom HaChamishim, Pentecost in Latin and Greek. Pentecost by the Goyim by the Christians, Pentecost is a holiday. But in the Jewish tradition, Pentecost is just a name for Shavuot. And the other name that will emerge is this Man Matan Torah the time of the giving of the Torah, which I've spoken about in the past and we'll get to briefly today, uh, but I want to focus more on the other names. So let's go to this idea of Pentecost, Yom HaChamishim. What is the biblical basis for that name? The answer is, Ad mi Shabbat HaShivi'it Tisperu Chamishim Yom. 
you shall count 50 days. Do we actually count the 50th day? No. We count 49, and on the night before Shavuos, after Marav, we pat ourselves on the back and said, oh, we, we finished. We did 49. But I the Torah does... Don't count the 50th day. What was why that? Don't, why don't we count the 50th day? Because there seems to be a stira, a contradiction between Psukim. One says uh, that we have to count Cheva uh, Shabbatot. The other says Chamishim Yom. We reconcile it by only counting the 49 days of the Sheva Shabbatot and observing the next Chag on day 50. But you could understand why the name of the holiday might be associated with 50. And the, in, Latin, in the Greek and Latin, the idea of Pentecost. 50. So if we look in Maccabees chapter, uh, second Maccabees chapter 12 verse 31 what does it say? <clears throat> Judas and his men thanked them and exhorted them to be well disposed to their nation in the future. Finally they arrived in Jerusalem shortly before the Feast of Weeks. So in Maccabees we do find the name Shavuot the biblical name is used. However in Tabit uh, in another book of the Apocrypha we find an evolution here. What's the evolution? So he says it here. Um, During our feast, our festival of Pentecost, which is the holy festival of weeks, a splendid meal was cooked for me, and I lay down to eat. So in the Apocrypha, in the writings of basically 2100 years ago, or 2150 years ago, the name of the holiday became Yom HaChamishim, but because it's a new name, the author of the book goes out of his way to say, what is Yom HaChamishim Pentecost? It is the holiday previously known as uh, Feast of Weeks, Chag Shavuot. Like in American pop culture, the artist formerly known as Prince. You know, it's, uh, that's, that, that goes over the head of Israelis. All right. So the name is changing. Now we go to Acts, New Testament. And in New Testament, we find... The name Pentecost always appears. When the day of Pentecost came, so on and so forth, they spoke in tongues. Okay, so what about Josephus? So Josephus says something very interesting. I'll read to you the the text in Antiquities. When a week of weeks has passed after the sacrifice of the Passover, on the 50th day, which is Pentecost, but is called by the Hebrews Atzarta, which signifies Pentecost, they bring a loaf made of wheat to God. So here Josephus is saying that the name of the holiday in the in the uh, the Western mind was Yom HaChamishim, but that the Jews use the term Atzeret. Now, isn't if the Jews true? use it, huh? Isn't it two loaves? Yeah, 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 two loaves. He says oh, okay. a, a, a loaf made of wheat of two-tenths uh, of flour. Wow. So the, it's very, very curious here. The name in the Bible is Shavuot. Josephus says the Hebrews call it Atzarta or Atzeret, but it's called Pentecost, Yom HaChamishim. Well, if the Jews are calling it Atzeret, who's calling it Pentecost? The Goyim? I don't know. It's a very odd formulation. Who is this other? But why, either uh, way you slice it. Why, why, why does that seem unusual? I mean, every... Um, every I, I can think of tens of examples of place names that uh, you know different languages change them. Um, uh, you know they, they bear no resemblance to the local uh, name of the city or the country. 
Okay, so my the reason why I find it peculiar is because you have an original biblical name. Then you have this other name that is taken for granted by the author of the text, namely Josephus, that this is how you guys would know it. But the Jews call it by a different name. So what's peculiar is that his his readers, who are themselves presumably non-Jews, have a name for a holiday that is a Jewish holiday that is neither the name the Jews use nor the biblical name. Well, yeah, what is how, it? Uh, Shem became Nablus and... Uh... And and uh, Mitzrayim is Egypt, and okay, you know. So th- things things evolve. Things certainly yeah, evolve. Yeah. All we can, all we can gather Christians? here. Don't we have well? Don't we have the division between Jews and Christians has not been formalized yet, and so right. this other sect of Jews that are going to become Christian ultimately. They use this other name, Pentecost. And to this day, so, who uses so, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if that answer is a, is relevant here with reference to Josephus, because what is the frame of, of reference for Josephus's readers about Jewish topics? Is it what they heard from Judeo Christians or what they heard from Judeo Jews? I, I don't, I don't really know, but suffice it to say, Shavuot has been displaced. Yom HaChamishim seems to be the default name. Atzarta is a specifically Jewish name, maybe a, a, a Pharisaic or proto-Rabbinic name uh, that Josephus mentions that the Hebrews call it. Okay. I mean, he's now writing this in Rome, right? He's writing this in Rome, yeah. Okay. Then let's go to uh, Philo. So Philo has the following. He says like this. The solemn assembly on the occasion of the festival of the sheaf, having such great privileges is the prelude to another festival of still greater importance. For from this day the 50th is reckoned, making up the sacred number of seven sevens, with the addition of a unit as a seal to the whole. And this festival, being that of the first fruits of the corn, has derived its name from the of Pentecost, from the number of 50. So here in Alexandria, in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, the name Pentecost is the dominant name. The name Shavuot is kind of lost, However, the name Holiday of First Fruits, Yom is still thrown around, despite the fact that he's not in Eretz Yisrael and the people he's addressing are not bringing first fruits. So a day, a name that might have fell out of favor completely is still hanging on. Okay, so now we get to the issue of why the rabbis picked the name Atzeret. Where in the Torah and regarding which days on the calendar does the word atzeret apply? In the Torah, we find the, the, the seventh day of Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach, and the eighth day of Sukkot. Those two days are referred to as atzeret. What does atzeret mean? Well, it could mean la'atzor, like to stop, in the sense of uh, stop, don't go anywhere, but rather hang around in the vicinity of the temple uh, for an additional day of rejoicing with God. So that's the usual explanation for it's difficult for me to, to leave, to take leave of you. you know, God says to, to, to the people of Israel and in justifying the eighth day of Sukkot that uh, I, we can't take leave of each other, we need one more day together. So that's uh let's see. Hello, yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. 
I'm in the middle of teaching. I'll, I'll get back. So, um, so that's that's the usual explanation. But Latsor also can mean just stop, stop working. Why does it have to say stop working? So the answer is, on Yom Tov, there are many things that we're supposed to do in the service of God. On Pesach, we have matzah, maror, kuban Pesach to eat, abstention from, from summits, of course. On Rosh Hashanah, you have shofar. On Yom Kippur, there's the, you know, the sacrificial cult in the temple, plus fasting. Sukkot, there's the sukkah and the lulav. There's usually something. One theory about Atzeret is that Shavuot, in the absence of the temple, for the for the layperson living removed from Jerusalem or in a post-temple era, all you have is abstention from work. There's nothing to Shavuos other than Malachat Tasu. Okay, so the name of the holiday, the, the revised name, corresponds to the minimalistic nature of the holiday. All there is is don't work. Well, in the way, in the way, same way we eat matzah or pesach all over the world. Could the rabbis have said, you know what, take new fruit and eat new fruit, make a make a shiach on it? I mean, they well, could like have. Mikdash, yes. yes. So the so the answer is that they were not going to do that because zecher lamikdash involving emoluments to the priestly class never involved consumption of food by non kohanim um, because that would be dangerous. You could say, well, give it to the Kohanim. The problem with that is you have Tuma, who's really a Kohen Meyuchas, why we don't eat the Chala anymore. Uh, so for a variety of reasons, the eating of Bikurim or pseudo-Bikurim was not something that they were willing to do. Uh, and even in modern times, the 20th century, of, of the Zionist revival of Eretz Yisrael and the revival of the agricultural facets of Shavuot, nobody's eating so-called Bikurim. I was going to save this for the end, but in the 1930s, in Zionistic folklore, they revived the Chag HaTene. In Israel today, is Chag HaTene a thing? That terminology, you've heard that terminology, Chag HaTene? So if you were alive 80 years ago, or 90 years ago, in Haifa, or in the, in the Galilee, you would have had these 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 uh, theatrical performances on the on the Moshav, on the Kibbutz, whatever it was, of the girls with the baskets. And it was called Chag HaTene. They, they still right. have that. They just don't use the terminology. Right. So that was uh, 90 years ago. They started doing that again to, to give some contemporary significance to a, an outdated holiday would amount to. Now, this idea that the holiday was struggling, was struggling to survive um, in the absence of specialty observances or because its emphasis is the agriculture of Eretz Israel and Jews live elsewhere is already manifest in the book of Yechezkel. In the book of Yechezkel, uh, in chapters 44-45, where the holiday schedule is uh, uh, recorded, although with some modification contradictory to the Torah, Sukkot and Pesach play major roles. But what plays no role whatsoever? Shavuot. So you could say, well, why not? And the answer is, maybe in Chutz Laaretz, they hardly even observed it. Well, the rabbis are not int- are not willing to to countenance the loss of a yom tov as required by the Torah from the the religious uh, cycle of observances that Jew- contemporary Jews have, even in a diaspora land or a post temple era. 
So Are you they going need to, to... Uh, lead to the uh, Matan Torah? Being... Well, it, it, it will, but but not just Matan Torah. Um, There's also blends. The, 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 the need the need to 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 strengthen to fortify Shavuot requires some tinkering with the the substance, the name of the holiday, and the thematic uh, issues addressed within the liturgy and in customary behavior of the holiday. And yes, Matan Torah will play a role in that. But first, you have Atzeret. So the Atzeret is indicative of this minimalistic holiday of just Isra Malacha. But there's something else. And that is, the Chazal may have had hesitation in using the words Chag Shavuot. Why should the Feast of Weeks be a problematic name for Chazal? I mean, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're, and your Bikurim don't resonate with the, the, the Jew from a thousand miles away who's a white-collar worker and not a tiller of the soil, why not just fall back upon the classic biblical name of Chag Shavuot? So the answer may be, I can't prove this, but it may be that the Sadducean Pharisaic divide over when to bring the Omer plays a role here. Of course, the, the, the Sadducees and Bithusians, they regarded Maharata Shabbat to mean Yom Rishon, Sunday. And the Pharisees understood Maharata Shabbat to mean the 16th of Nisan, the day after the Yom Tov of the first day of Pesach. So within the Sadducean calendar, Shavuos is always on a Sunday. Uh, within the Pharisaic calendar, Shavuos could be any day of the week. Now, in the fixed calendar, it can only be on four days of the week, not all seven. But in the prefixed calendar, uh, before Hillel II, it could be any day of the week. That said, Yehavan Gemara Menachos, one of my favorite passages, let me read the Gemara Menachos 65a. So, Hayabatusim Omrim, Shabbat. The Bithusian said, Shavuot is always after the Sabbath. So Yochan ben Zakkai engaged in polemics against them. And he said, You fools, how do you know this? And nobody wanted to engage Yochan ben Zakkai in intellectual debate over the, the timing of Shavuot. Except for one oldster who was willing to, to be chutzpah and, and address them. There's no deadline today. There's no deadline. I saw you, but the journal? Yes. There's no deadline. Because I need to let it to take it to the bank to make the, the, this way they go, they go ahead with the, in the bank. I need to take the paper, uh, letter from here, uh, sign it. Uh, whatever, just, the, the, today is not a deadline. I understand, yeah. okay. but I okay. need something directed to the bank requesting the money. So I'll, I'll tell Steve. Yeah. Huh? I, I, I'll tell Steve. Okay, I, know. I know. I'll, I'll call him anyway. All right. So I, I get you can do the letter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, the, so, the, so, 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 so he made a two-day weekend that Mo- Moses is a Jew lover. He wants the Jews to have a two-day weekend, Saturday, Shabbat, and Sunday, Shavuot. And what does Yochan ben Zakkai respond? So Yochan ben Zakkai says, no, Moshe wasn't a Philo-Semite. Moshe was a Yiddish anti-Semite. How so? 
because it says it's an 11-day journey from Chorev to Har Seir, and he took the Jews 40 years in the desert. How do you like that? So an 11-day journey took 40 years because Moshe wasn't such a Jew lover. Now, what does the, the, the oldster, the, the Bethusian, say to response to that? He says, Rabbi, come on, you're going to tell me nonsense? And what is Yochanan ben Zakkai's response to the oldster? He says, you're the one who spoke nonsense. Now, but still, we have to reconcile seemingly contradictory verses. How do we reconcile them? One Pasuk says, Hamishim Yom, 50 days. One Pasuk says, Shabbat Shabbatot Motiena, seven full weeks. How do I resolve that? When it happens to be the case that Shavuos falls on a Sunday, you'll have seven full weeks. When it happens to be the case that Shavuos falls on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, you'll have not seven full weeks, you'll have six full weeks and two partial weeks for a total of 50 days. So that's the way Yochanan ben Zakkai defended it, the, the rabbinic and the Pharisaic view from these Bithusian nuisance characters. Now, my but point both, here is this. It's not that logical. I mean, don't they have a mistake on when they're keeping this day? They're still in Israel. There's Yochanan ben Zakkai. I mean, they must know what they did the year before and the year before that. So I'll give an answer to that. What happened the year before is not dispositive of anything. Why? Because people can get things wrong. That tradition doesn't matter. What matters is who's right. And just because we did it that way last year, so the guy last year could have been a, a buffoon. That we as Jews now have a tendency to look back upon the past and say there's a Eurydice Adoros, that what, what they did in the olden days was better, more authentic. However, in the days of, of, of the late Second Temple period and early rabbinic period, that was not the approach. It was very much uh, uh, um, an open question in the eyes, of, in the minds of people. Maybe they were wrong last generation, and we're getting it right now because we interpret more correctly. So my point here is this. Shavuot is a Sadducean name. Yes, it's a biblical name, but because the Tzedukim and Bithusians, they're the ones who say, Sheva Shabbatot Motiena always and without fail every year, whereas the rabbinic point of view is Hamishim Yom, and if it happens to be Sheva Shabbatot Motiena, so be it. So the name Shavuot is a little bit problematic. Revising it to be Atzeret solves that problem, and is consistent with the notion of just Atzomim Malacha, just stop working, but there are no other mitzvot, and whatever other interpretations people wanted to give to Atzeret. But now, the last inter- weeks from Sunday to Sunday, uh-huh. it, just, it, it strikes me it's uh, more, more logical it's also much better for Kohanim because, you know, you're going down to Yerushalayim, you get there Friday right. afternoon, you hang out for Shabbat and Sunday, and then you go home. I mean... To- so, so so I'll tell you who who said that. You're borrowing that, maybe uh, uh, unbeknownst to you, from Louis Finkelstein. Louis Finkelstein, the, the chancellor of the seminary back in the old days, was a scholar on the Pharisees. He wrote his, his magnum opus, was a two-volume work on the Pharisees. And in that, he says... One of the reasons for Maharata Shabbat and the Sadducean understanding of things was precisely for the convenience of the Kohanim. That there should be no extra days staying over in the hotel, which comes out of your own pocket. Because if, if you go for a yomtiv, the temple pays your, 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 your room and board. Whereas if you have to come early or leave late, by a gap of a day or two, it's out of your own kesef, out of your own wallet. So that was one of Finkelstein's theories back in the 1930s. And he may be onto something there. So now, what I, one, one last theory about Atzeret was that Atzeret of Shavuot is analogous to the Atzeret of Sukkot, in that 
we have a holiday, the week-long festival of Sukkot, and then there's the adjunct, the extra day that happens after the week-long festival. Just as when it comes to the week-long festival of Pesach and its adjunct, Shavuot, which is 50 days later, so too the adjunct day of Sukkot should be 50 days later. The Shemini Yatzerot should be in December. But what? But it's not realistic to have an extra Chag in the winter when the roads are muddied and dirtied. Who's going to come back for a one-day festival seven weeks after the conclusion of the week-long autumn festival? So since it's not going to happen, the Ribbon Shalom does a chesed for us and makes the Shemini Yatzerot on the eighth day, from the, starting from the first day of Sukkot as opposed to in the summertime, when a one-day holiday of Shavuot is, a, is feasible for some people. Now, not for everyone. Remember, of the three holidays, which one was the least popular? Shavuot. Pesach was the Paschal Lamb. It was a national obligation. You felt as though you were hardly a Jew if you didn't go. And Sukkot was the festival of, of, of libations of the water, and it was a big celebration you know, uh, with festivities in the temple. Shavuot, yes, it had its, its parade of, of first fruits, but it was clearly playing third, it was in third place of the Shalosh Regalim, but it was at all possible, theorizes the Midrash, because it's at least in the summertime. So that's another rabbinic, homiletic interpretation of Atzeret, comparing one Atzeret with the other Atzeret, and explaining why one happens immediately, one happens seven weeks later. Okay, now, let's get to uh, the, the, the the last name, that of Zman Matan Toratenu. So I, I think I, I spoke to you guys a couple of years ago and gave a whole long spiel about how, how things become as Mama Tantoratenu. But let's, uh, from the perspective of the changing of names, what's going on here? So if Atzeret was the popular name in the Mishnah, in the Tosefta, in the Braita, and in the Gemara, Shavuot makes a resurgence in Gaonic and Rishonic times. And Atzeret becomes uh, a holdover from Talmudic jargon that basically gets lost eventually. It's very rare for the Rishonim and Achronim to refer to Shavuot as Atzeret. Once in a while, when they're just directly quoting the Gemara, they'll, they'll use that term. But Shavuot returned to popularity at some point in time. You could argue why. Because the Bythusian or Sadducean heresy is no longer a factor, so it's okay to go back to biblical names. But what biblical names did not return... Yom Kurim and Chag HaKatsir. Why? Because they're not part of the living experience, the lived experience of post-Temple Jews, even in Eretz Yisrael. So, thematically, what is filling the void? The revelation at Sinai as a matter connected to Shavuot is something that was around already from the middle of the Second Temple period. However, only among certain categories of sectarian Jews probably the Qumran sect, and possibly the early Christians. As for the rabbis, they were a little reluctant to buy into this. Why were they reluctant to buy into it? Uh, well, if as, as my 10th my, 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 uh, grade Gemara Rebbe said, we don't learn Navi in the yeshivas, because the, the Maskilim learn Navi. So if the Maskilim do it, it must be Trev. So if, if, if your uh, adversary in the sectarian battle is adopting a certain interpretation, even if it sounds benign or maybe even helpful, you're a little reluctant to say, to, you know, to, to uh, accept it and, and really uh, promote it. Was that but, the real reason? That, that I, I don't, I don't know, but I'm speculating that that's one of the reasons. Now, eventually, 
the the concept did attract attention. And in the synagogues, the Gemara Megillah talks about the, the laning for, for, for Shavuos. And the Yesh Omrim, Yesh Omrim, the Mishnah says one reading, and the Yesh Omrim in the Brisa says another reading, and the Yesh Omrim is Bachodesh Hashlishi, Exodus chapter 19 and 20, the revelation, the Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments. So the fact that the Yesh Omrim is, is the one saying the Ten Commandments means that it's a later development, that the, the initial perspective was when Chazal are establishing Torah readings, you do this, but eventually people shifted to something else. Who is encouraging that shift? Was, were, were it the, the sages themselves, or was it the synagogue administrator? Remember, is the synagogue a rabbinic institution, or is it a layman's institution? Really, it's a layman's institution. The Tanoim and Amorayim do not really control the liturgy with, as, as much as with an iron fist as the, as the rabbis would at a later time. So the fact that, the, that, that uh, in what respect does Shavuot become a holiday of the Torah, uh, giving of the Torah, it does so liturgically, leads me to believe that at the popular level, this was happening before even it was happening in the minds or in the, in the hearts of uh, uh, the Amorayim. But eventually, that perspective wins the day. And because it does, in Gaonic times, when the, when the liturgy is being composed and, and, and solidified, that's when you have Zmamatan Toratenu as a, as a term that first appears. It's not in the Mishnah or Gemara. It first appears in the, in the Sidurim of the Gaonim. And that's okay, but because it's not surprising that an aspect of the holiday which was slow to be adopted by non-sectarian Jews, normative Judaism, would take its time to, you know, to have a name for itself. So in the end, what happened? What happened was three biblical names, Shavuot, Katsir, Bikurim. Of the three, only Shavuot survived in the long run because of historical circumstances and economic circumstances. Of the other three that there were post-biblical, Yom HaChamishim, Pentecost, became a Christian term, despite having originally been a Jewish one. Uh, Atzeret became the rabbinic term in the Talmud, but fell out of favor in the post-Talmudic era. And Zman Matan Teretenu is a liturgical name that emerges when the liturgy is being codified on the basis of the evolving themes of the holiday that began in Second Temple times, but were not accepted by Norman of Judaism until probably the Amoraic period. So that's the story of all the names. And the the Chagat the, the basket name was, was Philo and then the Zionist in Haifa in the 1930s. All right. Any questions? So what are the odds? I mean, the odds are then 1 in 30 that uh, Madan Torah was on this day. Because sometimes it's in Sivan. We know, uh, I think we know the month. Third month. Right. right. So it could have been any day. It's just... Uh, I mean... Well, the, the odds of being on the road sound very unlikely. The, what, the, what the Gemara does, what the Gemara does in Shabbos, 86 through 88, is to um, to truncate as much as possible the sequence of events that are recorded in Exodus 19. Because Moshe goes up and down the mountain, and there's a three-day delay. Uh, there's, um, there's no downtime between the various events mentioned in the text. How, does, how, do, how do the sages know that? Well, they don't know that. They're just guessing. They're trying to compress into as small a window as possible everything that happened. And if you do that, you can get to, to, to the revelation on the 6th of Sivan. 
You can't get it any earlier than that, really. You couldn't get it on the 5th or the 4th or the 3rd, whatever it is, because there's just too much happening in terms of up and down the mountain, delays. So the earliest it could be is the 6th. And that's good, because after all, according to the Pharisaic interpretation of when the Omer is brought, the 50th day of the Omer is the 6th of Sivan. So it all works out well. However, however, you do have the, the, the Manda Omer, the theory of that Moses added an extra day of his own accord, and that the Ribbon Shalom gave him a Yashikoach, that whatever he, he did of his own, God was in agreement with him. So I have theorized in an, in an article that I wrote years ago that the, the claim of Moshe Hosef Midato is not because the text demands that we, 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 that we say that. You don't, you don't really need that if, to interpret the, the psukim correctly or reasonably. It's that the author of that statement wants to decouple Revelation and the Sixth of Sivan. And why does he want to decouple them? Because he's possibly uncomfortable with turning Shavuot into the holiday of the Torah. Because biblically it's not. And sectarians are saying that it is. And maybe it's a treif idea. So in order to decouple them, I'll say, it's not the same day. That's that's a, a theory of mine. Uh, you can disagree with it, but then if you disagree with it, you'd have to explain, well, why did Moshe, Moshe add a day? You're, you're, you're left trying to justify a rabbinic assertion that isn't really in the text and never had to be said in the first place. Hmm. I mean, these days, Shavuot is a fairly beloved holiday in the sense that... So, uh, Shavuot, Shavuot in America is not the same as Shavuot in Israel. In America, among uh, non-Orthodox Jews, Shavuot is a non-factor. I it's not really the reform. The reform tried to, to their credit, and I don't usually credit the reform with much, but to, to their credit, they tried to resurrect Shavuot by having it be the anniversary of uh, confirmation. You know, in lieu of Bar Mitzvah at thirteen, you have confirmation at sixteen. It's a goyish Shazak, and they borrowed it from the Protestants. But at least it's an attempt to give some substance to a holiday that otherwise for their congregants, their parishioners, would have no resonance whatsoever. Except for Yisker. Right. So Yisker, already a thousand years ago, uh, the, the doctors of the liturgy understood that the Yom Tov Sheni Shalgolius needs some chizuk, some support. So what can we do to, to bolster Yom Tov Sheni Shalgolius? Kriyas HaMegillah. The, the, the Megillah for the Shlosh Megalim, if there's no Shabbos Cholamoid, we did the eighth day, and Yisker, because Yisker, because death brings out people into the synagogue. Uh, but Shavuos, yeah, it's, it's a big problem. The Tikkun Leil Shavuos, the all-night learning, was a major uh, uh, positive, is a major positive feature in American Jewish life in bringing people to the synagogue, not even so much that they're going to learn, but that it becomes a social event from which you're not supposed to absent yourself. And so at least you're in the, in the synagogue for, for something on, on, on Yantif. Um, now, there, there, there are legitimate criticisms of the Tikkun Mel Shavuot system and how people are not really learning and they're really just lounging around, but it, 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 it calls attention to the Yom Tov. And, people, and, and we need that attention called to the Yom Tov because otherwise it, it gets lost in the shuffle. Educationally, educationally, the problem with Shavuos, at least in America, and maybe it's true in Israel too, is it's the end of the school year. And the, the finals and the, the end of the year exams, the focus is on wrapping up the, the regular curriculum so that special curriculum of before Yom Tovim, you know, 
Hilchos of Pesach, Kodom of Pesach, Shloshim Yom. For every Yantif, you're supposed to learn about the Yantif. In plenty of schools, they never learn about Shavuos because they're busy, just like Tishabov. Tishabov, because it's in the summer, not during the school year. You have kids who are ignorant, they don't know what it is. And these are kids from, from fairly religious families. So, I, 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 in my high school class this year, I made it my business. We taught Megillah, Megillah Root and Hilchot Shavuot Minhagim because I didn't want them to go through their, 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 all their schooling, uh, Amaratzim, when it comes to one of the Shlosh Megalim. Would it be fair to say that that switch over from Shavuot being really purely agricultural, uh, you know, we transfer from the uh, Korban Homer <laughs> to the Shteyalechem, so these are two pure agricultural sacrifices with the people moving from the barley to the wheat and the whole cycle yeah. and the fact that it's springtime in Israel and you can really, you know, if you were an agricultural people living that life, you would be fully aware of yeah. the change of seasons. Would it be fair to say that that changeover from that to Chag Matan Torah being sort of having taken exclusivity is because of the Galut and being kicked out of Israel? I would say it's in, in large measure because of the Galut, but it's also because in a post-Temple era, even if you're still living a life on the land and tilling the soil, you're not doing the the biblically mandated rituals that are associated with having tilled the soil. Meaning the Omer is not happening, the Shteyalechem are not happening, your Bikurim are not happening. So your life is a very secular life of hard work and, and trying to yield the crop, but without the Jewish component to it. And especially if you're not observing the, the laws of Tumah Tahara, because there's no Paraduma, and if, and, and if the Ameha Aretz are not tithing in the manner as mandated by the Torah, uh, they're sort of slacking off on that. There's it becomes very secular very quickly. Also, it's one uh, brief word, the thoughts on Megillah Ruth. It's, right, used okay. as a, uh, it's used, you know, as the par excellence book for conversion, I suppose. Although, you know, you don't you don't get a sense there's a real conversion going on, I'm not, in my mind. Nor that there's much chetik going on, that they're giving her minimal, minimal benefit every possible person in the story. Uh, but if Shmuel is the author, it's there yeah. to, to justify David as being in the fold. But what would you say is the main theme of the book and how it got included? Like, what, what's going on with that book? So the fact, the fact is that the sages normally don't ask questions about why a particular book entered into the canon. They sometimes question the wisdom of, ent- of, of it having entered because there's some problematic feature, like in Yecheskel, which contradicts the Torah, or Shirashim, which is too erotic, or Kohelet, which seems too depressed, I mean, or Esther, which seems too secular and mundane. There, there are half a dozen books of the Bible that in the Gemara itself, we find some member of the, of the, of the cast of Chazal, the rabbis, uh, either rejected its cano- canonical status or questioned uh, it has a problematic feature. The only book where it's not so much there's a problematic feature, but rather, I just don't know why this is here, is Book of Ruth. The, the Chazal say there's no mitzvah, there's no halacha, so what's it doing here? And the answer they give is to teach the chesed, or to teach the yichus of David HaMelech. 
So I'm not, I, I'm not even so much interested in the answers they gave. I'm just fascinated that they're even asking the question. If I were to ask that today, they'd throw me out of the rabbi's union. You know, who are you to ask this kind of question? But 2,000 years ago, they legitimately asked, what is this doing here? It's a story. Okay, fine. There's a lot of stories. This could have been in the Apocrypha. Why is it in the Bible? Um, now, their answer is about Chesed and Governor Melech. Okay, so the Governor Melech angle probably is, is, is true, that whether it was to justify his kingship because he comes from an illustrious lineage, or to be dismissive of his kingship because he comes from foreign lineage. You could read it either way, by the way. You know, it, it could go in either direction. But that makes sense to me. That's a juicy answer. The Chesed answer, I was never especially impressed by that. And the Chesed oh, is good. We want, Boaz we want people to do serial, uh, and gets manipulated right. into doing what he should be doing, which is a Yibum, supposedly. But um, the story of Chesed escaped. You know, she's got to get out of there. She's married to an Israelite, so the men are dead. It's best yeah. in her best interest to get out. And Naomi has family back in Bethlehem, so they're now impoverished. So I don't see anyone doing everything other than their just self-interest at each step of the way. So I, I think that there are two people who do something of chesed. One, Ruth does the act of remaining with her mother-in-law when she could have gone home. Orpah goes home. So presumably Ruth also could have gone home, but it wouldn't have been a, a disaster for her. She had a, 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 fam- a family, family and a life in her native homeland. So, so she's willing to stay with an old, elderly mother-in-law. That's a nice thing to do. Don't want to leave the old lady alone. The other chesed is Boaz being uh, excited about the prospect of, of, of Geula such that he's really happy that the, that the Plony Almoni character drops the ball. Plony Almoni character, he was asked, he said yes, then he declined because of the, the marriage issue. Okay, so he's acting in a manner which is, uh, you know, consistent with, 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 with logic. I'll do it, but if it's problematic, I won't do it. Boaz, his enthusiasm was uh, admirable. So the chesed is the admirable enthusiasm of Boaz. Okay. Now, you could, you could counter-argue that he was an old guy who was attracted to a younger, pretty woman. You That's could say that. Says. He tells her. And, she's I, I, to him. Okay, so, so in which case, it's not, we, we, could, we could downplay the, the, the evaluation of, of how righteous Boaz's behavior was. It was just a, a guy with, with, with physical desires. But the Chazal tend to not want to do that. And they, they elevate him to a stat, to a pedestal that you know, he was doing that, for the right reason. Prior to that, huh? he gives your neck. Prior to that, he lets them live in the outhouse on the edge of town, giving them some cereal. I mean, it's they're not treated like we would treat our family who shows up in town, even distant uh, relatives. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we didn't let them live in a shack in the, you know, next to the Bronx. We wouldn't do that. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. there. It's hard to say. It's hard to judge. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, a good yontif. Good yontif. Thank Take you. Care. Thank you. Good to you. Bye-bye now. Thanks, guys.